Jonas. The fourth book of Kings mentions a prophet named Jonas, who lived during the reign of King Jeroboam II and foretold the deliverance of Israel from the oppression of Syria. It's very probable, but not certain, that this prophet is identical with the hero of the book of Jonas. Unlike the other books of the prophets, the book of Jonas is rather a story of a prophet than a prophecy. And everyone, of course, knows this story. Jonas was commanded by God to go and preach to the people of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, that they might do penance for their sins and obtain the mercy of God. Jonas, however, knew that the Lord easily forgives, and he feared that if he preached to the people of Nineveh that they would do penance and that the Lord would spare them, and that he himself would be looked upon as a false prophet. Therefore, instead of doing what the Lord wished him, he embarked on board a ship which sailed for Tarshish. But the Lord sent a great wind upon the sea after the ship set sail, and the ship was in danger of being wrecked. The sailors were afraid and cried to their gods. They cast into the sea the whales that were in the ship to lighten its burden. Jonas went down into the inner part of the ship and fell into a deep sleep. The shipmaster woke him up and said, Why art thou fast asleep? Rise up and call upon thy God, that we may not perish. The sailors said one to another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know why this evil has come upon us. The lot fell upon Jonas. He said, Cast me into the sea, and it shall be calm around you, for I know that on my account this great tempest is upon you. The men rode hard to return to land, but they were not able. Then they cried to the Lord and said, We beseech you, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And they took Jonas and they cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonas. Jonas was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. He prayed to the Lord for salvation. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonas out upon the dry land. Now again, the word of the Lord came to Jonas the second time, saying, Go to Nineveh. Jonas this time went to Nineveh, and entered into the city one day's journey, and cried, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. The men of Nineveh heard him, and believed in God, and they proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least. Even the king rose up from his throne, cast away his robe, and put on sackcloth. God had mercy upon them, and spared them. But strangely enough, Jonas was exceedingly troubled, and was angry, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my own country? Therefore I went before to flee unto Tarshish, for I know that thou art a gracious and a merciful God, patient and of much compassion, and easy to forgive. And now, O Lord, I beseech thee, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then Jonas went out of the city towards the east side, and he prepared himself a resting place, and sat down to watch what would befall the city. And the Lord God prepared an ivy, and it came up over the head of Jonas to cover him from the heat and the, of the sun, 
and Jonas was exceedingly glad of the ivy. The next day, however, God caused a worm to kill the ivy, so that it withered away, and Jonas was exposed to the burning heat of the sun. And he again expressed a desire to die, saying, It is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said to Jonas, Thou art grieved for the ivy, for which thou hast not laboured, nor made it to grow, which in one night came up, and in one night perished. And shall not I spare Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons that know not how to distinguish their right hand from their left? The book of Jonas has been, and still is, a subject of intense controversy. But whatever interpretation we put upon the story, this much is certain. From a literary standpoint, the book of Jonas is one of the greatest narratives in the Bible, and the lessons which it teaches are of the highest importance. What other book of the Old Testament brings home to us so vividly the patience of God with the individual sinner? Other prophets teach the paramount truth that God is the God of all mankind, not merely of the Israelites. But nowhere is this truth so dramatically and convincingly set forth as in Jonas. The need of repentance is the theme of all the prophetical books, but nowhere is its value so palpably demonstrated as in the story of Jonas and the Ninevites. Other prophets foretold the coming of the Messiah, but Jonas alone was singled out by the Messiah himself as prefiguring his greatest miracle, which is his resurrection. An evil and adulterous generation seeketh a sign, says our blessed Lord to the scribes and the Pharisees, and a sign shall not be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was in the whale's belly three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, because they did penance at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas here. With the prophecy of Jonas, we come to the last of the prophets of the northern kingdom of Israel, which was as Amos and as Osi had foretold, was doomed to destruction because it did not repent and pay attention to their prophecies. Meanwhile, in the prophecy of Jonas, we see how the Ninevites, at least for a short period anyway, did repent. The Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, now the growing power to the north of the kingdom of Israel. Nineveh, situated on the river Tigris, had more than 600,000 inhabitants, and it was the capital of the great Assyrian kingdom, which was to put an end to the kingdom of Israel about 100 years after Jonas preached to it. Since the kingdom of Israel had grievously sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them out of Egypt, since they worshipped strange gods, and even through most of its existence, had erected golden calves, as God had forbidden, 
and walked according to the way of the nations which the Lord had destroyed in their sight, and according to the way of the wicked kings of Israel, they built high places, temples to pagan gods, made statues, and worshipped abominations. They adored golden calves, and they served Baal. Their children they sacrificed to Moloch. And the God testified, and the Lord testified to them by the hand of all the prophets, saying, Return from your wicked ways and keep my precepts. But they did not hearken to him, and remained stiff-necked like their fathers. Therefore the Lord was angry with Israel and rejected it. King Osi was the last king of the kingdom of Israel. Against him came up Salmanazar, the king of the Assyrians. Osi became his servant and paid him tribute. When Salmanazar found that Osi endeavoured to rebel and refused to pay tribute, he came up with a great army and besieged Samaria for three years. His successor Sargon conquered and destroyed the city and led most of the inhabitants of the kingdom of Israel into captivity in the year 722 BC. The Assyrian king then sent heathen settlers into the deserted land of Israel and they joined and they intermarried with the few Israelites that remained in the land and thus arose the mixed race known as the Samaritans. Besides worshipping heathen, heathen gods, they served also the true God and to him they built a temple on Mount Garrison near Sikkim. They lived in continual hostility with the Jews. The Jewish kingdom was to continue for a few years more and we will consider the, uh, the rest of the history of that kingdom in the next conferences. <laughs>